Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Are you caring for an aging parent? Are you searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you providing information, education, and resources, helping you become the best caregiver you can be. I'm your host, Steve Keeker. Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. I'm Steve Keeker, President of Senior Care Consulting. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I really do appreciate it. Senior Care Live is the nation's premier radio program where we provide information, education, and resources for seniors and their caregivers. This is a safe place to get accurate and reliable information you can absolutely count on. And each and every week, we, we discuss important subjects such as how to remain independent in your own home, how to find the right senior care community, how to pay for the high cost of senior care and the legal issues involving elder law and estate planning. We also discuss senior-related health issues and how to care for the caregiver. As always, if you have a question, you can always reach us on our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. You can also visit online at Senior Care Live, L-I-V-E, SeniorCareLive.com. All right, without any delay, would like to introduce my guest today at studio for the first half of the program, Mr. David Wiley. He's the president and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, and Lisa Farmer. She's the director of grief programs, again, at Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. And uh, David and Lisa, welcome to Senior Care Live. Thanks, Steve. Good to be here today. Yes, thank you. All right, so Lisa, we've we've uh, we've had you on here before, and uh, today we're going to get into I think some really important subjects uh, and information, and you're you're really loaded with some great information today, and it's it's a it's a little bit heavy, right? But it's it's really really good information, <laughs> and um, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna be discussing the powerful tool of remembrance as we grieve as individuals and as a community during times of loss. So because memory or remembrance is so often tied with the trauma of our loss, how do we reconcile the difference of memory that is good with the end of life of someone we love, particularly if that end was traumatic? Well, Steve, you're right. This is a heavy topic today, the grief and trauma um, and I just want to start out by reminding everybody that grief is very unique and individual. So what may work for one person may not be helpful for someone else. So I think it's important when we think of sharing our grief with others to start to understand the way we learn to live with loss. For many of us, a memory of a loved one who's no longer here, even a good memory, can cause us to feel sad or angry or frustrated, uh, depending on where we are at the time. If the loss was sudden or unexpected, this emotion can feel even larger. Remembering, on the other hand, is different, and it's more intentional 
it can help us to cope with those memories as we move forward in learning to live with our loss. Okay, so there's a difference between memory and remembering. So how does that work? Good question and great observation. Memories are a broad term that reflects our recall of a person, a place, or an experience. They can be positive or negative. A person, especially one who's experienced trauma, may feel like they have no control over their memories. Remembering is very different. You can be intentional about that and the way you choose to do it. It can be on an individual level when you are taking time out to think about your person, write about them, look at pictures, or setting a, you might set aside some time to volunteer in their memory And that time can be particularly healing and therapeutic. Absolutely. We might also seek out more formal ways to remember people as a community, like memorial events. So the example that we want to talk about today is Circle of Lights, which is a formal ceremony of remembrance offered by Kansas City Hospice every May. It can be helpful because it connects us with other people who are sharing similar experiences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that shared pain is a very important part of healing. Um, So again, these people are seeking out intentional ways of remembering and seeking the social presence of others along with the person that they love, even if that person is no longer alive. So we can each have a similar experience in terms of loss, but interpret the experience very differently. So is that common? Yes, very much so. It's really important to understand that even within a family, people grieve differently. And their interest in how and what to remember will vary. So like you may know some families that parts of them want to go to the cemetery and other parts of them don't. If we don't understand that there's a difference, it can cause conflict. We might even look at another person's patterns of grieving, grief and think that they're not doing it right. Or maybe that they don't care as much because they're doing it differently. That's not usually what's going on. It's just that people need to process their losses differently and express their feelings differently, not only in grief, but in general. Okay. And, you know, this description of remembrance makes me think about the Jewish faith where they have what's called Yartzeit. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but I think it's Yartzeit. It's a celebration or acknowledgement of the day someone passed, and that's every year. So year after year, there's this uh, celebration, and it's a way of remembering. And, I, you know, I wonder, what do we know about different faiths and how they approach remembrance, and what do we learn from those faiths? So that's a good example, Steve, of a faith community that has this structure built in to remember people that died yearly. And that can be really important for some people, but others create those things on their own. So different faiths have different ways or times when they might remember this, um, or particular holidays around grief, like Memorial Day, which will be coming up next year, I mean next month. Uh, And even in the same religion, people might celebrate things slightly differently. It can be as simple as a church, a community group, which offers an opportunity to buy a plant, or in the case of Circle of Lights, a luminary, which gives an opportunity to honor your loved one and remember them. It's a time when the community comes together and offers a formal way to remember those who are no longer living. So how is it different, this remembrance on an individual level that we've been talking about versus a societal level? Right, So there's so much trauma that affects society. Even right here in Kansas City, is there a difference between the two? 
Yes, I think there is. When you reach the societal level of remembering, it becomes more complicated in terms of those versions of events that we're remembering. And the number of people that are involved, of course, make it more complicated. The politics of history might influence how we construct memorials. Um, Politics can affect the way that people are grieving. They might feel left out or disenfranchised. They might feel unheard. They might connect more to their anger, or they might be affirmed. So anytime we have large groups of people involved, it can start to complicate how we remember and how we heal. Okay, and I wonder... When you get into things that are you know, traumatic on a societal level with current issues such as racism and spikes in hate crimes or historical issues such as slavery or even perhaps the Holocaust, uh, the Holocaust or other genocide, how does that change what we experience or understand? Well, that's a good example of the importance of opening dialogue about terror and loss and how it affects family members that are um, homicide survivors, for example, and have been going through a lot, but often they've done it in silence and without support of the community. As the director of grief programs at Kansas City Hospice, I oversee what happens at Solace House, our center for grief and healing, which serves members of our community who are grieving the death of someone they love. Three out of four of the families we serve at Solace House have lost someone suddenly. Um, Most often the result of an accident, sudden medical event, homicide, or suicide. Just a few weeks ago, it was reported that there have been more homicides in the first quarter of 2019 in Kansas City than during the same period in the last nine years. Oh, my gosh. We at Solace House work closely with anti-violence groups throughout the community, not only to attempt to prevent these types of losses, but to join together to acknowledge the loss and heal as a community. It can help us in confronting the very difficult issues of racial discrimination and hate crimes, such as what's experienced at the Jewish Community Center here in Kansas City just a few years ago or over this past weekend on the coast. Um, So remembering these difficult things is important as we help people learn how to carry on after trauma and loss. It's not that we get rid of our past traumatic events, but we learn to cope differently. And if you have a question about how this may affect you, if you just have a question about you know, societal loss, personal loss, if you have a question about one of the many support groups and support efforts offered by Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, uh, I'll tell you what, you're listening to the right program and you're hearing from the best people in, in the, really in the country, uh, definitely in our city and in our region. Reach out to Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care and find out what resources and programs may be able to help you and your family. I'll give you the phone number here. It's 816-363-2600, 816-363-2600, or online at kchospice.org. That's kchospice.org. Dot org, And I'll tell you what, you know, all of the different programs, we've highlighted some of the programs on the right here on Senior Care Live in the past. We'll continue to do that. And in the next segment, we're going to talk about just a, an, a wonderful remembrance opportunity uh, that, that's coming up right here uh, in the month of May. But first, let's address the Senior Care Live question of the week. Can formal acts of remembrance 
help us heal from loss? It's a yes or a no. We'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll-free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, be sure to call us on our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. And don't forget you can stream this program to any electronic device. Super easy to do. Just go to SeniorCareLive.com. Click on the big microphone right there on the home page, or maybe the Listen Live button. Give it a few seconds to connect, and then it'll start streaming to your phone, your tablet, your computer. Whatever you have really is that simple. All right, so let's get back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. Can formal acts of remembrance help us heal from loss? And your options are, of course, yes or no. And the answer is... Yes, the formal act of remembrance can help us to stay connected to our loved ones who are no longer with us and help us heal and move forward after loss. I'm here with Mr. David Wiley, President and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, and Lisa Farmer with Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. And Lisa, before the break, we spoke briefly about societal trauma related to grief and how we can learn to carry that differently and, you know, what might that look like and how can, uh, you know, widespread trauma change our current experience? Well, the same way that individuals grieve differently, so does society. So often when we talk about widespread injustice, whether it's something that happened 18 years ago, like 9-11, five years ago, like the Jewish Community Center, or more recently, you might hear comments like, it's been X number of years. Why can't we just get over it? Mm -hmm. And you might um, have a strong reaction to that. Like we in the grief world um, say that the timeline can't be hurried. But what's important to understand is that anytime we have open conversations about violence, injustice, and other difficult issues, that is an important step toward healing. So Dr. Nancy Burns, a sociology professor at Drake University in Des Moines, has done some important research on grief. And she offers this perspective that helps us put a framework around the common expectation that there is some kind of endpoint or conclusion to grief, what people often call closure. So grief not only comes and goes throughout our lifetime, but it's also helpful to process at both the individual and the societal level. It hurts, so no one wants to grieve. But it is also helps us acknowledge and express that something is wrong here. And if we can define the imbalance, we can learn to cope with it better and perhaps even change things for future generations. If we can change people's expectations about grief and can open up more space for people to grieve, both privately and publicly, and help connect us with one another at a deeper, deeper level, then in the end, this gives us more space for love 
enjoy. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Remembrance can be so powerful as we grieve the death of our loved ones. So what are some key things for people to know? Well, I think foremost, it's important to understand how much influence our support systems and our culture have on us. So there's a 2017 bereavement study by New York Life Foundation that says that more than half of the people report that following their loss, support from their family and friends started to taper off after 90 days. 20% says they tapered off in a week and 21% said after a month. So many people that have built-in supports as part of their faith or culture or community, um, like the Jewish faith event that you mentioned, that's a remembrance of people on the anniversary of the date of their death, or the Spanish tradition of Day of the Dead, or Dia de los Muertos, which is kind of a blend of European and Spanish culture, and that can help them to remember and feel connected to their loved one. For those without those supports, they must often search for a system and a connection of their own. And this search can result in a formalized support network, like the things we offer at Solace House, Center for Grief and Healing, or it can be forming a one-on-one connection, like with our grief support specialist. However people do it, it's essential part of healing for them to be able to tell their story, share their pain with others who can listen and acknowledge And scholars throughout the ages have explained how stories can help make sense of experience and provide a release of emotion, which helps connect us with others while learning to live with our loss and investing in the future. Okay, so seeking out those formalized support networks, whether that's faith or cultural bonds or a community uh, such as offered by Solace House with Kansas City Hospice, there are important steps to take. Yes, for many people. They can also mean partaking in a formalized event, such as the Circle of Light ceremony, remembrance ceremony that we wanted to talk about today, or hearing other stories through community events, such as a Day of Remembrance for Holocaust victims or prayer vigils for victims of homicide. These types of events can present opportunities and rituals which allow us to sustain a connection with our loved ones. And who's not searching for that? being able to continue to feel connected to the person that they that they have lost. And these things can inspire movements of change and healing individually and in the community. Wow, that is just great, great information. Thank you so much. And as we close today's discussion, David, I understand that the Circle of Light ceremony is coming up uh, this month. It's an annual remembrance ceremony that Lisa referred to earlier. So for people to participate, is it required that their loved one was served by Kansas City Hospice? No, Steve, not at all. In fact, the Circle of Lights, uh, it's uh, meant for people throughout the entire Kansas City community and it's to have an opportunity to remember their loved ones. Uh, many were served by Kansas City Hospice, but uh, many were not. And in fact, last year we had nearly a thousand luminaries that uh, lit up the night at the J.C. Nichols Park, um, and each one glowing a glowing s- symbol of um, of a person or a loved one to be remembered. So wherever they may have lived, and however um, they might have died. Okay. All right. So how can our listeners find out more or request a luminary for this May 21st event? The easiest way is to go to our website, Steve, uh, at kchospice.org forward slash circle. 
And uh, you just make a request there, and there's an opportunity to offer a donation. Um, that, of course, stays right here in Kansas City to ensure that access to end-of-life care and support um, can continue. And as you know, Kansas City Hospice, we, we never turn any way away anyone away uh, because of their lack of resources to pay. So, And the only way that that can happen is through donations. So. Yep, absolutely. And I, I've been very proud to uh, support some of our fundraising efforts in the absolutely. past. And this is another one. This is another great one as well. So, and we're also partnering together on an upcoming event called Your Decisions Matter on May the 8th. Absolutely. And, you know, we're excited to once again be part of this important community education effort. Um, our very own Judy Wechter, she's going to be here for the next segment uh, to offer some tools for difficult conversations and, and talk with you about that. Absolutely. All right. So excellent. Thanks, David and Lisa, for sitting down with me here today to talk about remembering our own loved ones and how we can heal together from collective loss. Absolutely. It's been a a joy. And Lisa, thanks for sharing everything today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and that that was some fantastic uh, information, and and we we got kind of heavy today, but that's (laughs) but that's okay. I mean, sometimes we do that, and it's really really important. And if you have a question, be sure to reach out to Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, 816-363-2600 or online at kchospice.org. We're going to have a whole lot more about that May 8th upcoming event right after the break. Don't go away. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, be sure to call us on our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. Again, 1-800-331-6445. And don't forget, if you ever miss an episode of Senior Care Live, maybe you want to share the program with a friend or family, or maybe you just want to go back and hear it again, no worries at all. Just go to SeniorCareLive.com, click on the podcast tab, and that's where you'll find all of the previously aired episodes. Find the one that you want, press play. Again, give it a couple of seconds to connect, and then it'll start streaming again to your electronic device. And uh, lots and lots of people who are not able to tune in live every Saturday morning at 11 uh, do go back and listen to the podcast. So I appreciate that, and feel free to help yourself. All right, so um just want to thanks uh, say thanks again to David and Lisa from Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care for coming in today and really talking about you know remembering remembrance and uh, you know to do that personally or societally uh, and, and involve culture and uh, you know that that's a that's a big 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 topic and you know we have Memorial Day at the end of this month and uh, all of those things tie together uh, along with uh, the um Circle of Lights uh, event coming up on May the 21st, uh, so you don't want to miss that as well. All right, so I've mentioned it before a couple of times. We're coming right down to the end here. I'll let you know about a free educational event coming up this Wednesday. It's on May the 8th, so this coming Wednesday. So you still have a few days to sign up. 
It's Wednesday, May the 8th from 9 a.m. until 12 o'clock noon, right? So you'll check in at 8.30 to sign in, enjoy a free continental breakfast. And by the way, this entire event is free of charge. We even feed you coffee and breakfast. You can't beat that with a stick. (laughs) How about that? So it's called Your Decisions Matter, Guiding Patients Through Options and Advanced Care Planning. All right, so here we've got two very specific target audiences. So if you're a professional nurse and social worker, so nurses and social workers will will receive three continuing education credits absolutely free of charge. But we've designed these to be very, very helpful for the layperson. Really, anyone in the community is welcome and encouraged to attend this and sign up. Uh, And if you're a family and friend caregiver and you're trying to learn more uh, about all this new role that you've taken on, uh, being a family or friend caregiver, this is uh, right down the middle for you. It's fantastic information. You're not going to want to miss that. It's at the Matt Ross Community Center in Overland Park, Kansas. Just think about 81st and Metcalf and just west of there. There's a huge community center. You cannot miss it. Uh, and again, it's May the 8th, 9 to noon. So how do you, you're going to, you have to, well, we encourage you to sign up. You can walk up, but we may not have any space left, which I suspect might happen to this one. So uh, you can go to kchospice.org and sign up there online. You could go to SeniorCareLive.com and sign up right there on the on the homepage. You can go to my firm SeniorCareConsulting.com and sign up there. You could call our friends at KC Hospice. They'll sign you up over the phone, 816-363-2600. You can call me at Senior Care Consulting, and I'll sign you up over the phone or someone from the office, 913-945-2800. So we have all kinds of ways for you to sign up, but if you... If if you're wanting to go, just reach us in one of those ways, and we will get you signed up. All right, want to introduce my friend and special guest today, Miss Judy Wechter. She's the community educator and clinical liaison with Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. Judy, welcome back to Senior Care Live. Thanks, Steve. I'm glad to be here. Now, did you mention they can always go to Eventbrite also and just do a Google search for Eventbrite? Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't. If I didn't, but you just did. So. I just did. If you, you, if all else fails, just go to Eventbrite and and um, Google up your decisions matter May eighth Overland Park Overland Matt Park, Ross. It'll, it'll be right there. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're going to have to work not to show up to this thing. It'll take some effort, but no, these are great because when we first started doing these, our goal was to bring together the healthcare provider, the healthcare professional, in in different you know, interdisciplinary roles sure. into the same setting with the family and friend caregivers who are actually doing the front lines work and help not only educate both sides on the needs of each other, but to improve the communication and the sharing of resources for both parties so that they could partner together more successfully, all for the, the end result to benefit those that we're trying to, to care for. And we're all here for the, uh, for the, uh, for our patients, for our family members, for mm-hmm. our loved ones. That's who we are all here ultimately to serve. Right. So we work to make it a little bit better. This particular one, when we started talking about um, what to do, of course, National Healthcare Decision Day was just April 16th. So a lot of focus, a lot of conversation about the advanced care planning needs. And, of course, we like to share resources. And that was why Gilda's Club um, was an obvious option. We've worked together in the past on 
Good grief. I don't even know how many different um, opportunities to bring education and awareness to patients and healthcare providers. But I, I really have a thing for this program they do that's open to options, and I thought it was a great complimentary piece to the things that we were talking about, about yep. how you, you assess to help families determine what their loved ones' needs are, their placement needs, about talking about difficult conversations and breaking bad news. But instead of doing it investigative or authoritatively, excuse me, yep. being more investigative, mm-hmm. because we in healthcare are so quick to tell everyone what they need to do, what you should do, mm-hmm. what you ought to do. And those are all words we're not supposed to use. Yeah, yeah. Instead of taking the time to find out what is important to this person. Who is this person? What would you like to do? Right. And and that's why. <laughs> what a simple question. Yeah, yeah. I just, I really love the pro- programs there. Actually, um, we've got Gilda. So you're not Gilda. We've got Clara. <laughs> She's almost Gilda. From, from Gilda's Club. <laughs> we have Gilda's Club in the house represented by their program director, Clara Sante. So that would be a private. I just shut up and let her do it. All right. So, Clara, welcome to Senior Care Live. And uh, tell us about uh, what you're going to talk about, Open to Options. Well, thanks, Steve. And what a wonderful introduction, Judy. Um, Gilda's Club Kansas City is located near the plaza, and we're a local nonprofit that serves the cancer community um, through education and social and emotional support. All types of cancer, although with Gilda's honor, sometimes think, It's only for women or only ovarian cancer, but all types of education. But our particular program we're talking about today of Open to Options, and again, all of our programming is at no charge to the participant, but Open to Options is a shared decision-making model. So it's an evidence-based program. It's a one-hour session with staff done over the phone or at our clubhouse. And what helps is it empowers the patients and caregivers to become more actively engaged in the treatment decision. So what we do is help prepare them for their upcoming appointment with their medical provider and help them organize their question list for the provider. So not only will they clarify the understanding of their own situation and their treatment options, but like we've talked about, the big gap is the quality of life goals the patient has in mind. So we help organize all those thoughts and questions so that the provider knows, is there any misinformation somewhere? Where do we need to still educate? And what are the quality of life goals that are very important for this patient and family? So we help put that right in front of the provider. And it doesn't make appointments longer. It makes them just more effective. Then patients aren't calling several days later of, I forgot to ask you. Yep. And yep. we can kind of organize that for them in advance. They don't have to bring anything. There's no cost or anything. But it's just pulling together the information verbatim from the patient's voice so that it's really coming from their story and what they need. That is such a big deal. And I kind of unofficially do that. Like I just had my annual checkup and I, and I, I don't know, about a month beforehand, I thought, ooh, I, I need to ask my doctor this. So I'd get out my phone and I have, you know, I had my little note and I would put down my question. And then I thought of something the next day and I had four or five questions. I just knew I would forget half of them, you know, when you're in there and you'll always do it. So I love this organized approach. And I, I don't have, fortunately, thank goodness, I, I don't have the, um, the situation of a, of a serious illness that's adding a lot of stress to my doctor's visit this, you know, about a month ago. Uh, so this, this is a wonderful approach. I love it. And it just kind of helps reduce that white coat syndrome. It's not uncommon that people have lots of plans to ask those questions in the appointment, but maybe when 
faced with their medical provider, they freeze up or, you know, they forget to ask. And we also can give it to their family members so they know exactly what they want to hear out of the appointment as well and just kind of put in that legwork for them. And they get a personalized care report kind of established from our organization that could be said, sent to the provider in advance as well. That is that is perfect. And um, I just – the other thing I think of as you're – I'm thinking of all kinds of questions for you sure. uh, as you talk. But as you're going through that, you'd also mention it could be a list for you know, family or friends, someone accompanying uh, the, the quote-unquote patient to this, to this appointment – and a lot, I know about the people visiting Gilda's Club, but a lot of my clients that I work with have some level, it may be minor, it may be significant, but some level of cognitive impairment. So we have maybe minor memory loss, or they could be into full-scale Alzheimer's or anything in between. So a lot of times they may ask the question, but they're going to forget the answer. So I love including that caregiver that would accompany them. Absolutely. We just try to help the whole family the whole time. Well, and one of the things that I find really intriguing about this is the fact that it focuses so much on the individual's personal goals. We tend to, on the clinician side, get very caught up into all of the high technology pieces, and we forget about the person. And it's amazing to me the instances that I've been involved in with this, the personal nature of illness. Absolutely. So, the free upcoming event this Wednesday, May the 8th from 9 to noon, Your Decisions Matter, guiding patients through options and advanced care planning. We'll have a whole lot more about this special event right after the break. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, one 800 331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, be sure to call us on our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. Back to my friends and special guests today, Judy Wechter with Kansas City Hospice in Palliative Care and Clara Sante. Uh, you can call her, say her friends, call her Saint, right, Clara? Yes. Because yes. <laughs> that's a l- little easier to, to, to go by. It is. <laughs> and she's with Gildas Club of Kansas City. And, and the three of us are the presenters at an upcoming educational event. It's just going to be an awesome event. You do not want to miss it. Your decisions matter. Guiding Patients Through Options and Advanced Care Planning it's at the Matt Ross Community Center in Overland Park, Kansas, Wednesday, May the 8th. So it's just coming up just a few days away from 9 a.m. until noon. Uh, sign in and continental free continental breakfast at 8.30. We'll start the program promptly at 9 o'clock. We will end promptly at noon and get you about your way for the rest of your day and uh, this is just, this is an important one. So for the professionals, nurses, and social services, you would receive three free continuing education credits. Uh, but this is very appropriate for the community. Everyone in the community is invited and encouraged to attend. 
family and friend caregivers, you will learn a lot and it will help you in your role as the unpaid family and friend caregiver as well. So, Judy, you are our second presenter and, uh, you're, I mean, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, I'll tell you what, I was, I was talking to my neighbors and they were asking me all these questions and I'm like, what are you doing Wednesday morning, May the 8th? Cause I said, you got to hear Judy Wechter <laughs> because they're asking, you know, how do we approach this with our mom? How do we start this conversation? We're just terrified. We know this is not going to go well. And I said, you need to be there. You seriously need to hear from Judy. Well, it's difficult. Anytime you're having a conversation with someone that involves bad news is, is hard. I mean, it wouldn't, if it was easy, we wouldn't be having these conversations right. about how to do it, <laughs> you know, right. obviously. But anytime there's information that is something other than, than what is desired, it's considered bad news. And what might be bad to one person may be catastrophic to someone else and may be a no big deal to a third person. Mm-hmm. So it's really a, a task of taking time to listen and listening with intent. I don't mean just hearing sound, but listening with the intent to gain some information and talk with people, talk to them about the care that they want, and learn more about how to predict for our patients and for our families. It's unfortunate, but in healthcare, most of us are self-taught on this. We get very little direction and guidance. We learn a lot by what we observe in our early mentoring, precepting, training, and experiences. And if you're fortunate to work in an environment with people that are established and good at this, you're going to learn some good techniques and how to mime and mimic those and, and make them your own and use your own verbiage and language and read people. But if you don't have that, if you don't have that mentoring, then you're pretty much on your own. And, and most, most people do not have that mentoring, but they're going to get that from you Wednesday morning. That's why I'm saying your, your part is super, super valuable. I'm, I'm telling you. Well, we spend so much time on this in crisis situations and there's so much time that led up to that. When you have a spouse, and I hear this frequently as a spouse or a good friend, a sibling, and you know, you've been together 60 years, 20 years, whatever it is, that's a lot of days. There was a lot of time to be having conversations yeah. <laughs> before it, things got to this point. Right. But we just tend to focus our relationships on the more positive things. So what I focus on in this is what's called the SPIKES protocol. Um, it's an acronym, of course. Um, we're looking at the setting that these conversations take place in that's really important i'm just going to kind of if it's okay give you a brief look at what we'll talk about hopefully it'll make people a little more um, interested or understand what we're going to look at when we talk about the setting you know is is everybody comfortable you can't have these type of conversations in uncomfortable settings is there privacy if it's going to involve difficult conversations it probably shouldn't be in a public setting there needs to be privacy which also includes not only avoiding the the disruptions and the interruptions, but limiting the distractions, you know, turning people's phones off, turning the TV down, minimizing the interruptions that you can control, having the right people present. Sometimes the interested people aren't necessarily the right people. I remember one of my daughters in in high school coming over to my office. Uh, The hospital was right close to her high school. And she was amazed as a case manager how many people were constantly 
coming to my door, coming to my door. Mm-hmm. And even if you shut it, they would they would open it. Yep. If you locked it, they would slide notes underneath Or pick it. the lock. Yeah, just about. <laughs> and uh, she once made a sign and put it on the outside of my door that said, it's closed for a reason. Yep. Now, that's a little, you can't do that at all settings. It's a little, you know, and I told her that's a little, little abrupt for this setting. But that's true. If that door is closed and you're not invited in on the meeting, there's a there's a reason for that. It, yep. You'll be invited in as needed. So we do want to work on that and minimize the, the power inequities. Um, take time to assess the person. That's the big part of the perception. What do they already know? What's already understood? What are they afraid about? How much information does this person even want? And use open-ended questions so that you can actually hear them, which is why open to options is so great. That already preps them for these conversations. Absolutely. And it actually works strongly on the power inequity. It puts them on a more equal playing field with the, the providers. And Judy, how many times have we talked about on, on, on the show in the in the past that a lot of times you're afraid to kind of open up these conversations because you think this is going to be awful and they're going to be really upset. And how many times do you hear, oh, that wasn't nearly as difficult as I thought it was. I made it to be a bigger mountain than it, than it really was. We're afraid of these conversations, which is good. Fear is about something that you know exists, a snake in the room. Anxiety is when we don't know what's going to happen. So we can we can manage that anxiety. So we want to invite the right people. Um, we want to make the opportunity for additional appointments because this may not be something that should happen all in one setting. Um, as we're talking about new knowledge, new information, make sure that we give warnings, talk in terms that the individual can understand, small amounts of information, check back to make sure that they're getting it while being empathetic, and that's identifying their emotions and the reason behind them and just being present with that person and then taking time to summarize and sum things up, strategize for the future, revisit the steps, reinforce the goals, and, again, schedule and plan for future appointments. These are rarely one and done. Absolutely. So, so the first present, thank you, Judy, and the, the first presenter, Clara Sante, program director with Gildas Club Kansas City, talking about open to options. The second presenter, Judy Wechter, preparing for difficult discussions. And that's going to be, uh, just a, an, an excellent presentation. Uh, and then I will bring up, uh, the, I'll bring up the rear, right? I'm the caboose <laughs> here. And, uh, the third presentation, assessing needs, the five, critical factors and uh and that's really really good information and uh, all of that will be happening again may the 8th from 9 to noon at the matt ross community center call casey hospice at 816-363-2600 go to caseyhospice.org you can go to seniorcarelive.com you can call me at seniorcarelive.com or senior care consulting and uh, we will uh, one of us we will take care of you uh, over the phone and sign you up or you can sign up online and i think this space is is going to become full this is a free event Uh, So do not wait. I would do that right now and just get it taken care of. So Clara and Judy, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's good to be here. All right. To everyone listening, I'm just so honored you spent part of your day tuning into the program. Thank you so very much. I'm your host, Steve Keeker, and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. I'll see you next week right here on Senior Care Live.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.